Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Hello to you, I hope you're doing very well out there in podcast land. Another episode is upon you this week, and this time it's an interview with Will of Two Finger Media. He's a professional photographer, so we discuss all sorts of things like the point of hiring a professional photographer, how Will finds unique shots when he's going about his business, and the potential stresses of live gig photography. It sounds incredibly stressful to me. I'm going to stop witchering on, and let's just say on with the interview. So today on the podcast, I'm joined by Will of Two Finger Media. Will, how are you? Well, great to uh, be sat here talking to you. Thank you very much. I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so my, my first question, as always, is a from a random question generator. Um, so I never quite know what it's going to be. Should and I be nervous? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, the question this week is, what do most people think about you that is absolutely not true? This is actually a, um, something that was quoted to me a couple of months ago at a festival. The first festival I shot this year at Love Rocks down in Bournemouth. Um, somebody came up to me and said, oh, Will, it's so nice to meet you. You're nothing like I imagined you'd be. And I went, I don't understand. What, what do you actually mean by that? And she said, uh, I always thought you would be an arrogant so-and-so. Um, and, and, all the, and, I, and I'm thinking, I, I don't know how she could justify it, but I said, well, I'm glad to prove you wrong. But yeah, I, I, I guess that's a, a conception that I didn't know existed, but obviously somebody had that. And, uh, I, yeah. It's a real backhanded compliment, that. Yeah, I, I sort of looked quizzically and sort of almost thought, well, okay, well, that's a good thing then, I'm sure now. <laughs> well, if anyone out there listening, for whatever reason, has that view of you right now, let's hope that this interview dispels... Or brings it to that. the fore. It's the or maybe brings truth. it to the fore. Who could, who could say? Well, maybe we'll find out together. <laughs> so my first um, real question for you, really, um, is how did you get into music in the first place? Well, it's, it's strange because none of my family are really musical. But when I was at school, probably 11, 12 years old, I've always been into music, listening, and I wanted to play an instrument. So I wanted to play the guitar like everybody wanted to learn to play the guitar. And uh, at my school at the time, there was no guitar lessons available. They were all fully booked. So I ended up playing the double bass. And I did, throughout the years, I was at the sort of comprehensive school. I did my exams in double bass, um, passed all those, and ended up playing for the Hampshire Youth Orchestra and doing like a solo at Winchester Cathedral on the double bass and things like that. And um, so I got really into the music side of it, as in writing, reading. I was able to do all of that at the time. Um, but my love was still more rock music, more um, a lot of a lot of reggae as well at that time, which is really weird for an 11, 12-year-old, but reggae. And, and then Prince came along. Prince was my kind of musical idol. So, yeah, that, that's how it started. But like I say, nothing... Well, nobody in my family is really musical, so I'm not quite sure where I got that from, that part. But I've always loved it, so. Did you um, did you get into any bands in that time? When I was, yeah, well, no, when I was probably about 11, 12, I was, the other thing I was getting into was punk music. Um, I really enjoyed bands like 999, um, The Vapors, Under, you know, Undertones, those sort of bands, uh, The Clash, when they were good, and also 
strange bands like Crass. I don't know whether you're aware of Crass. Yeah, they were like a, sorry. <laughs> they were like a very anti-establishmentarianism band. They were anti-war, anti-nuke, anti-everything else, and they would have these really graphic um, images on their like single covers, you know. And it was and a big A, big anarchy sign. And it was, uh, I think that whole scene really interested me. The whole of like Sex Pistols when they were coming through, even going as far sort of to the Ramones. And I was only like ten or eleven at the time, but it was really affecting me sort of i guess visually and also audibly i just really really like that sort of scene but yeah that's so that was probably the most sort of the first real brush with live music i guess so how did you um i was going to say transition but let's say how did you get into photography my in the first place well my brother who was still at home while i was young um i've got four brothers but they're all much older than me but my youngest, oldest brother, if you like, was, he was about nine years older. He was still there when I was growing up. And he was so got into photography and used to use an old um, Ryko film camera. And he started doing experimentation with, um, well, nowadays you can do it on your phone. But in those days, you'd have to cut a circular bit of cardboard and maybe cut a keyhole in the cardboard, stick it to the lens and use that to get some effects. So he was doing that. And... And then the developing the darkroom side of it really fascinated me when the paper was sat in the tray, the, you know, the liquids were poured in and all the different elements. And then you've got this image appear was just like, it was like magic, you know, and you could control certain elements of that to create the image how you wanted it. So all of that, that just kind of got me hooked, but it probably wasn't until probably late teens, maybe early 20s that I really got back into photography and again it was it was the um, film side of it before digital and I just started really experimenting out and about wildlife probably landscape um, nature just anything that I could go out and photograph so yeah so it's probably my my brother was the cause of that side of it I think he's to blame <laughs> no you get in a good way I'm pleased <laughs> so You've got this, um, as you're growing up, you've got this love of music and this love of photography. And at some point, um, the two meet. <laughs> so how does that come about? Well, like I say, um, music's always been the first love. Photography's been like a passion. So it's, it's almost like they're parallel. And probably it's not that long ago, I'd say probably 10 years or so ago, when I started going to more and more uh, gigs I mean, literally probably two or three weeks sometimes. And I was always at the front and I'd, I'd see these guys in the pit and they'd be taking these pictures and they'd have access. And, and I'm thinking, I'd love to do that. Then I'd see some of the pictures that come back from, say, a gig I was at. And I'm thinking, some of the angles I could have, I, I know, you know, I, it was frustrating. And this was before I really seriously got into live music photography. I just, something's always... Um, inspired me as angles and not shooting like everybody else and so because it bores me a straight up and down picture bores me that's just a personal thing but you know so i i bought uh, a digital camera uh, uh it was a nikon d70 i think at the time which was very low pixel but it was like my first digital camera and i <laughs> i didn't actually first try it out on music i tried it out on fishing of, of course. I, 
I used to go fishing a lot at the time, and and I used to um, take pictures of my when my friends caught big fish and stuff. I used to, they say, "Oh, can you come and take a picture?" So I started taking pictures of that. I started learning the intricacies of the actual camera, and then when I started, um, I used to go around a couple of mates' house and just jam, you know, on guitars or whatever, and then I'd start taking pictures of him rehearsing or doing stuff like that you know trying to get some good angles with the amp and the guitar and all this sort of stuff so that kind of got me into that then i went and shot a few outdoor gigs with his band big next late festival and places like that and that kind of got me into it and then i think the more i got into it the more i realized what i needed to be able to um give myself credibility in the actual images i was trying to achieve which aren't easy i mean any photographer will tell you it's great taking pictures, but in the situations we find ourselves in a lot of the time, it's not easy. So so I learned all that, and it sort of just stemmed from there, really. So probably about yeah, 10 years ago, I started to meld the two, and then the rest is kind of history at the moment, really. I guess the, the thing that I always think about, especially live gig photography, is a lot of times you only have that one chance to get that particular photo so if you're in a photo shoot scenario where it's not live if for whatever reason you know the 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 person you're photographing was blinking or it wasn't quite right in various other ways you can always say actually you know can can we take this again whereas when it's live and they're performing if they move away you you've lost that and it can't come back so that i it's just a whole world of challenge to to my mind it, it is but for me if you put me in a pitch black room with some lunatic with a guitar jumping across a stage that's somewhere in front of you, I'm in my element. Literally, I'm in my element. I love that environment. And if you were to put me, not so much now because I've kind of branched across a little bit, but if you'd put me in a studio situation where I had all the time in the world, lighting and everything else, it would take me longer to think about it. Whereas in a, as in a live music situation, it's instinct. That makes sense. It's... um. It's like with the cameras. Um, I bought a new camera going back probably four four years ago now, five years ago. And it was slightly different to the one I've been used to using, which was a, a beast, a heavy duty beast. And it, it was like the weight of, a, you know, weighed a ton. It was brilliant, a workhorse. And this new camera wasn't quite as heavy. And it took me a, literally a whole year of shooting constantly with it before it became an extension of my arm, if that makes sense. I think it's a bit like a guitar. If a guitarist gets a new guitar, it takes them a while to almost think, not even think about it when they're playing. It's just part of them. And it's the same with cameras for me. Um, but yeah, so live music, bigger bigger gigs, three songs in the pit, and that's normally a lot. Sometimes it's even one song. You know, I've got Shepherd's Bush Empire, I've been before in shooting, and we've been kicked out after one song. But it's still... A good challenge. I enjoy it. It sounds, it sounds stressful. I know. I, I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy the challenge. Yeah. Is that just like a manic few minutes where it's no, just no? I, I don't know. For for me, it almost feels not like time completely stops and stands still, but it seems a lot longer than what you would envisage three songs being. You know. I mean, I've, I've before I've been to places like Brixton where the band that I really wanted to shoot, the first song, the lighting was so horrendous that you couldn't see. It was really in your face, you know. And so I've sat there, the whole of the first song, wasted it, 
trying to work out where I could shoot and how I could shoot to actually get some quality images. Um, so I, I don't mind, even though it's only a short period, I'm quite happy to sort of almost sit there and watch, you know, whereas everybody else is running about like lunatics. And I'm probably just sat there looking like I'm not even bothered, but I am, if you, it makes sense. I'm, I'm watching and sort of trying to work out the best place for me to shoot from. So I love that chaos because to me it isn't. To me it's just, it's almost like an adrenaline rush. And I, I really enjoy that. So I'm going to ask probably the most wide open question I could ever ask a photographer, <laughs> just full stop. Um, and I'm interested to know your answer, which is what what makes a good photograph in your mind? If I'm taking it, um, then I try and capture a moment in time. I try and capture a moment in the gig where maybe the artist is doing... I mean, if it's an artist I know, and I know their regime, and there's certain sort of things that they do on stage, and I want to try and capture that. When I capture that, that to me is like, yes, big tick in the book. You know, I've, I've, I've managed it. But if it's an artist I'm not used to seeing or I haven't seen before, I haven't shot before, then capturing a moment where I could... When I look back, when I view the images, you know, post-process and stuff, and I think you know what that does it that that picture there and it, and it will literally i mean i could have three thousand pictures and i'm really really quick at going through and choosing ones that i will use for the next stage and it and it will jump out at me and it will be a moment where i could i could remember that happening i could remember that moment on stage or that's part of the song or and and it just screams at me it's the energy of the show it's that moment when I've captured what I wanted to capture. So like the shot, if you like, for me, for other people, when I look at other people's work, for me, a good shot is when I sit there and I go, damn, I wish I'd taken that, you know? And that's, that's, that's as much as I need to say for me to appreciate somebody else's work, you know? Yeah. It's, um, I, I can understand what you're trying to say because if someone said to me, what makes a good mix, then I might, kind of scrabble around for a bit and go well it's sort of instinctive i sort of just know and i feel like in the same way if you see a particular photo or if you take a particular photo you sort of just know it's it's the right one or or maybe it's not the right one that kind of thing absolutely it, it the photo talks to you the picture talks to where well, it talks to me when i'm when i'm looking through afterwards and an example of this is a, a picture I took of Billy Gibbons uh, at Shepherd's Bush Empire when he was playing for a uh, supersonic blues machine. And this picture, I, I always shoot angles. Um, there'll be 16 photographers in a the pit. There'll be 15 one side and I'll be the other end because nobody ever wants to see 16 shots the same. I don't, so I'm sure nobody else does. So I'm always doing different things. I'm doing my own thing. I don't really care what anyone else is doing. And I've always, always shot angles. So I've got this picture of Billy Gibbons and I loved it. I loved the angles of it. But I, I, I kind of published it black and white, which was I, I thought looked great. Billy Gibbons himself took that picture and coloured into it and used it as part of his interview thing for the tour at the time. And I looked at the picture that he coloured in it and I thought, I don't like that. I, it just, just to me, it just didn't look right. So I revisited that image and I did it in colour. And it's one of my favourite all-time pictures now. Just looks amazing for me. I think, yeah, that that captures everything about that moment. And it's things like that. It just like I say, it does. It literally jumps out at you. 
if that picture is available somewhere on the internet, I'd love to link it in the show notes so people can see what we're talking about. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, available. Cool. I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes so you can see it because talking about photography is actually quite difficult. Sometimes you do need to see it to know what's being talked about. Yeah, you do need to vis- actually visualise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but so that's what I try and do. Um, anybody can take a picture. Anybody, especially these days with camera phones and stuff like that. And a lot of fans are happy with that. But... I, I strive to do something a little bit different, a little bit more unique, I guess, which is difficult when everybody can do the same thing. You know? So when you are um, when you are photographing a gig, how do you look for an interesting shot or angle? I get what you were saying about, say, you're in a, a, the front where there's 16 photographers and they're on one side and you're the kind of lone wolf on the other side taking a slightly different photo. But is there anything else that you consider in that time? I will... Always look for something different. If you've got, uh, I will shoot. I will shoot a lot of the time without even looking through the camera lens. I won't even look. I will hold the camera in an angle where I think, yeah, I'll, I'll think this will be a really cool shot, and I'll, I'll just hit the hit the shot, and I will take the picture. And I've had some amazing results because the lighting behind has been just an amazing array of sort of colours and that, that you wouldn't normally get by shooting direct uh, a musician. Um, so I'm always doing different angles. Now, like I said before about the angle of the um, guitarist or whatever, I will never shoot a straight up and down picture like a horizontal or, or portrait. Look. It'll always be at an angle. And there'll be some really weird angles because I, I like to get some, some really strange looks. But for me, it works because it's different. You know, if a band wants a straight up and down picture, they can use any of the, any of the cell phone shots that the crowd are taking, you know. But if a band wants something different and they appreciate a bit like you do with the music, you know, you appreciate someone's effort and how they put something together. And obviously with the mix itself, you, you do that part. You, you mold everything and you take your time to get it just right. Anybody can probably make a sound, but they can't make that sound, your sound, you know, because it's special. And this is the same with me in photography in a picture. I want to create something special that nobody else has. Other people try. I even wrote a guide to gig photography of exactly how I do it, what kit I use, what settings I use, and even how to get passes and all this sort of stuff. And I got lambasted by the photographers at the time because why are you telling people how you do things? And I'm thinking, because I don't care. I want people to learn. I'd rather have 10 photographers in the pit that really know what they're doing than 10 photographers in the pit that are there because they know something. And, and they said, well, aren't you worried? I said, no, because somebody could be stood with me with exactly the same kit, same settings, same angle, but they will never, ever take the same pictures. So wh- why am I worried? It's also about your, your eye, because you can teach someone, this is what I'm looking for, this is the equipment I use, this kind of thing. But there, there is that instinctive eye for the right image that you will bring that someone else will even if they're using all the advice you've given them will just have their own eye and it will be different and i think that's yeah that's underrated sometimes but I, that's just what i was saying before but you do have like you've got 15 photographers all trying to get the same shot in their eyes what they want to get and it's like i don't want to see 15 shots the same or all very similar you know because people will post like i don't know 40 or 50 images on social media and it's like why just pick out five or six of your absolute best ones to showcase your talent 
you know, I don't want to see five or six pictures in a row with a slight variant. Just pick the best one. And I, I would never understand that, but that's just me probably being picky. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. Uh, so when um, or if a band approaches you for a, a photo shoot, so like a non-live photo shoot, as it were, what happens in the run-up to that? Well, I, I normally get contacted by email or a uh, promoter or somebody will, as happened last week, actually contacted me, asked me um, prices, how much do I charge, because they've got a client or one of their guys that was looking to get some new work done. So when I tell them how much I charge, um, he's gone back to the client, the client's got in contact with me, and basically what I want to know is what does the band or what does the musician want out of this? What's it for? Is it just for social media? Is it for um, a new EPK, you know, electronic press kit? Is it for posters? What do they want to get out of it is the first thing I will ask them. Then it will be, do you know what you want? Do you know how you want to be shot? Do you know what you want to, uh, where do you want to do it? Do you want to do it in the studio? Do you want to do it outside? Do you have any locations? I kind of try and get as much information from the band or musician as I can. And then we can work together. I did a shoot earlier this year, going back to sort of May, May time, April, May, with a band and for their new album that's coming out soon. And the remit was to find this old railway track that we could use to shoot. And it took probably five or six weeks between us all to actually come up and find a location that fitted the bill. But that was the band and myself working together to actually achieve what they initially wanted to achieve and that I was able to do once we had the location and everything. So it's definitely a, a two-way thing. And I will always ask what they want. And that's the main thing because at the end of the day, they'll end up being a paying client. So you've got to keep them happy. And even if it goes against the grain sometimes of what you don't necessarily agree is a good picture, you, you still try and edge them towards it. But at the end of the day, if they're paying you... They're in charge you know, in that regard. <laughs> You can only do so much. Yeah, exactly. You, you can only sort of advise if you like, but yeah, they'll, it'll be, there'll be a lot of to and froing to start. There will never be like, Oh, you want a photo shoot? Let's go and do this. Cause I, what's the point? Cause they don't know. I don't know. Do, I was, I was about to ask that actually. Do you, do you find that you do encounter bands who go, we want some photos, but we don't really know what they should be like. Absolutely. But then what I'll do then is just say, okay, well, who do you like as a band? You know, who who are your favourite musicians? Who are your favourite bands that you'd like to see? And is there anything that they've done that you think, I really like the way that looked? You know, almost get some influence or some ideas from other musicians. And um, that's kind of the way we sort of work with that one. But it's, it's all communication. Everything is communication before even a, an, an idea is, sort of, you know, is, is cemented in place. So can take days or it can take weeks or it can sometimes even take months it all depends do you ever find that during the conversation you maybe have a sudden flash of inspiration you go oh well i've i've just got this great idea that you've not even mentioned but it could be really cool how if how do you bring up that kind of thing where it's very let maybe left to field literally as you just said if, if we're discussing something and what I normally do is get phone numbers exchanged so we can talk over the phone because too much information is lost by typing. You know, it's very 
Uh, it, it's you do. It, it's very cold. It's very heartless, and, and you can't really sort of put across exactly how you want to put things across. So I, I tend to get talking on the phone or, or via Zoom or something like that, and um, and it will be exactly as you just said. We'll be chatting away, and it'll be I don't know. Let's say, oh yeah, we need to find this abandoned warehouse. I think we've got some good. If we get some like smoke and stuff, it'll look really cool. And listen, I'll be going. Ah, oh, I'll tell you something else. You know, I've got this. Uh, I've got. I've just got this crystal ball thing. Um, I've been shooting for it. It's absolutely brilliant. We could probably use that in it as well. We could do some shots and try that. And they're normally like, yeah, that sounds really cool. Let's just do it because you don't have to use it. But it's something else and it's something different that it might work. It might not. But but I literally approach it just as you said. You know, oh, I've got this really cool idea. What do you think? They can only say no. Yeah, no, no harm done, I guess. Do, do you find that there's any particular uh, ideas that are really overdone when it comes to band photography? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, graffiti is a big thing. Um, every band has probably shots in front of a graffiti wall or building. Underpasses is another, you know. And to, but to be fair, near me, there's actually a really cool underpass. It's got some amazing um, brickwork, which is very, it, it looks great. And to be honest, that if there's an underpass, I'd shoot it, it'd be that one. But yeah, generally stay away from things like that. You're always going to have, even mentioned like abandoned buildings, it's, you're always going to have this like industrial look. Uh, there is only so many things you can actually do, you know, uh, location wise, but like I said, the thing what I did earlier this year with the train traps worked brilliant. It worked brilliant for many reasons. One, because we were able to do it for a start. Two, the weather is great, so we were able to get all that done, no issues. Three, because the new album is called Making Tracks. Everything worked, you know? And it just it, and and we we're trying to recreate like um I don't know whether you've ever seen the film Oh Brother Where Art Thou? I haven't actually. We've uh, George Clooney and that set in the twenties in America and they're convicts and they're working on this like rail railway thing. But it was, it was kind of, um, loosely based around all that. So everything come to fruition, it worked perfectly. Um, but yeah, something, I, I don't know. It's very difficult to, to stray away from the norm a lot of the times, but you do try and sort of pick a different location that looks cool or as a backdrop or just something, you know, that's, that's, that you haven't seen before. It's it's a very difficult um, thing sometimes is band photography because you know when you when 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 a photographer when you've maybe hired a photographer to do some live photography, you do know the kind of things you're going to end up with. Very broadly speaking, it's going to be pictures of you playing live. Surprise, surprise! But then when when it's when it's we'd like some pictures of ourselves, <laughs> it's it like it's it's a very difficult thing i imagine there's lots of bands who you encounter who go we don't really like taking pictures of ourselves and oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah but at the end of the day, i mean there's another um scenario that you see quite often and that's a, a flight of steps with with people staggered up the steps you know fire escape or something like that i mean i've done it myself i've shot mis- shot bands myself like that going back a few years but yeah so so there's are things that repeat, but yeah, a lot of bands that feel very unphotogenic, they don't like the picture being taken. I mean, I it's a bit like interviews. You try and relax them. You try and get somebody as as relaxed and as sort of chilled as possible. Um, and then I'll start taking pictures, you know, and 
And I was saying, laugh. And they said, oh, I can't laugh. I've got a really horrible smile. So I will say something or do something stupid to make them laugh. You know, or I'll be swearing because something won't work. And yeah, they'll naturally sort of. And that's when I'll take the pictures. And I'll, and I'll show them the pictures and I'll say, look, this, you look great. You know, this looks really, really cool. When I started recently doing uh, some portraiture stuff as well. So um, I've got an umbrella and a strobe and stuff like that. And on Sunday, I took it with me to a, a local gig. And there was four bands playing. And I was grabbing the guys from the bands and sort of taking them up and saying, oh, just come and do this for me, do this for me. And I was doing it for a couple of reasons. One, because I wanted to really see how, in a real-world situation, I could use this you know, for advantage for me and for a band. And two, for the bands, they could have some free pictures, basically. And... And I'm so over the moon with the results and the bands are as well, you know, like individual headshots and stuff like that, but in different poses, plus also the bands together. And it's come out really, really well. So that's something else that personally I will be introducing into photo shoots, into band shoots and stuff like that, you know. So there's always something you can add. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive or, or, or too out of out of off field sort of thing, but you know you can do other things that just add something different for that band or for that artist. I mean, this I've, I've shot certain bands or certain art, certain artists so many times. You you run out of ways to shoot them. You have to become creative to get some different shots because otherwise, what's the point? It's very true. <laughs> Without mentioning any names in particular. This is genuinely a out of curiosity type question. Are there any bands who will ask you to um, uh, digitally touch up photos to kind of hide blemishes and I don't know what, or is it all very as it is and natural? To be honest, no. Not that I've encountered. Some of the bigger bands when I've shot, I've had their PR people say to me, like before or something, oh, please don't shoot him from below, sort of underneath the face and get double chins and stuff like that. You don't say that. It's like a red rag to a bull, you know. It's like, well, I'm going to shoot now like that. But but from my own personal point of view, when I shoot either do a promo shoot or live music photography, I will never, ever, ever publish anything that I feel would be disrespectful to the artist, whether it be male or female, because... If, if there's a picture, I mean, especially with women more so, if you get a picture of a woman with a, I don't know, say she's a certain position, it looks like she's got a double chin, even though they haven't, you know, obviously it's un unflattering pictures. I would never dream of, of posting that or sharing that or doing that, whether it's male or female, because I think it's really wrong. And that's just a personal opinion. So if someone's got a big, say, zit on their face and I've taken the picture, um, especially with like the promo shoes, I will get rid of it. But that's a personal thing that I will do, not because they've asked me to, but because I think I wouldn't want that picture over everywhere if it was me. But I think I think it's having respect, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, a question that I I wanted to ask earlier and I completely forgot about, so I'm very sorry. This the whole flow of my conversation has completely gone awry. Is there a difference to your approach when photographing a big gig when compared to a smaller gig where maybe there's less room to move around? Not for me. Not for me. Um, the only difference is with the larger gigs, there's generally 
Well, it's a bit swings and roundabouts. With the larger gigs, you've generally got a pit area, so there's a barricade barrier between you and the, like the, the audience. So you, you do have that space in front of the stage where you can actually move about. Even if there's other togs there, a lot of togs, and you're climbing over each other, you still have the best access you're going to get. So people shouldn't really complain about that. With, with the smaller gigs, when there's no barrier, you're obviously in the middle of the crowd or the audience. And when it's, a say, a rowdy gig or hyper, you know, there's a hyperactive band and they're really going for it, the crowd are the same. They get that symbiotic vibe. And uh, so you kind of have to almost blend in and work with that, which can be sometimes be really awkward because last thing you want to do is stand in front of somebody. But if my, uh, in my experience, if you just say, look, you mind if I just come here and take a picture and I'll be out of your way, they're like, yeah, you carry on. You know, most people are great. So I, I approach both the same. I still want to get that same killer shot. It doesn't matter. The only difference is, I would say, is when is having the access. Now, with, like I said, a lot of the bigger gigs, you get free songs, you're out of bit. With the smaller local gigs, you tend to get the whole, whole gig, the whole show. So you can almost experiment a bit more. You can take your time a little bit more. You get your shots up close, then you can move to the back. You can get some shots with the crowd in and all the rest of it. Whereas, obviously, at the larger gigs, you tend not to get that opportunity unless you have, like, a full access. And that's where, excuse me, that's where a lot of the, uh, I mean, going back to old school, you've got Bob Gruen and um, Baron Weisman and people like this that have some amazing images because they had the access, you know, they had access to the bands, to the musicians, to the venues, to the arenas, to everything. So they got these amazing pictures that you would never be able to get without that access. And I think that's the biggest thing for me moving forward now is the access. The more access I get, the better pictures I can give the um, the public and the band and you know the artists really. But I do approach everything the same way. I want to get the best shot I possibly get. So my um my penultimate question is for anyone in bands who've been listening to this and maybe have never hired a photographer before for anything particularly. (laughs) Your words, not mine. Um, And they, you know, maybe they've had a, a friend take some photos for them and things like that, but they're just kind of left with the question. What, what is the point? of getting a good quality photo as a band, as opposed to my mate who has a camera? As, as we, well, touched on earlier, as I touched on earlier, electronic press kits, EPKs, um, these are electronic pieces of kit that have generally the bio of a band, um, the backgrounds, information about previous releases, etc. And they have normally have a set of um, images, high-quality, high-resolution images, that are used and these are sent to all the PR people, to record companies, to venues, to everybody that's that's sort of promoting music and everything like that. And they will use these images on their websites, on billboards, on posters, on everything. So you really, really do need the best quality images you can possibly get. Because the last thing you want is, I don't know, cousin Johnny taking your picture on an instamatic camera, which is great if that's what you want. But it, it's no good if it's if you're trying to promote yourself as an individual as a band so you need the highest quality pictures you can take you can get now you can spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds with a professional who has their own studio set up and all that and if you've got the money great go for it but if you want you know really good pictures but 
not paying that. There's there's plenty of people, there's plenty of photographers out there that will do a, a sterling job, you know, absolutely stellar job. So it's just a matter of, of finding out. And there's a lot of, on social media these days, it's, it's so easy now to, to search and Google and find these people. You know, there's photographers, I know that somebody's asked for a certain thing in a certain area of the country. And there's a photographer I know up there who I trust. And if I, if I don't know or don't trust somebody, I would never recommend anybody, if that makes sense, because it's also my reputation of, of like advising somebody else. And I don't want that to sort of be tarnished. So, but I would advise, I would sort of say, oh, why don't you get in touch with so-and-so? You know, they live here, you live there, get together and sort of work it out. But, you know, that's, I, I honestly believe without good quality pictures, you're kind of doing yourself a, mis, a misservice. You're sort of not portraying yourself to the best. And, and and the way the world is now, you need that image. You need that high quality image. And but you also need to update it. Don't have the same set of images for three, four years. You know, because you've changed as a band, your audience has probably changed as well. And the last thing you want is old images. And when they see it, going, well, you don't look like that anymore. <laughs> so so I update. You know, not every month or every six months but at least sort of every couple of years get a new set done or a new set of images but i think it's very important but then i would say that because i'm a photographer you know but you know seeing it from the other side as well though when you see a poster um on the wall outside a venue or in a magazine and they've got high quality image you go yeah you know it sort of catches your eye more but i think it's worth it i th- I, I honestly think you're right so in this kind of social media age so many bands are discovered for the first time on facebook and instagram principally and the first thing that someone is going to see of that band is a photo or a video generally so it is about that image whether you like it or not uh band people um it's it's about your image um to start off with and then people will listen to your music and then be drawn into that as well absolutely i mean if, if somebody wants to see you live they will be on youtube i mean i do it i i get uh, recommended a band the first thing i'll do is go onto youtube type that band's name in find them and see what they're like you know before I, if i'm going to interview or shoot someone I, I really do like to do that background sort of check and uh like you say with with the social media these days everything is pictures and you'll see that and, and that image does you know and it's like a book you know don't judge your book by its cover but people do it's just the way of the world rightly or wrongly it's how it is so yeah definitely good image i think it's worth it yeah i, I totally agree to be honest my my final question to you is if anyone is thinking of maybe finding out and looking at your work and of maybe thinking of hiring you as well, where's the best place to go on the internet to... I was going to say, in any phone box on any corner of the street. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, right, yeah, I've got a, a website, which is www. And it's Two Finger Media, but spelt T-W-O Finger Media uh, People can go there, and that will pretty much has all the... Um, albums in the past you know uh, interviews reviews albums pictures everything you want to know is on there even my guide to give for gig photography they want to read that facebook instagram twitter is all at two finger media again two not the number two and that covers everything uh people can email me through the website they can get in touch with me through facebook through instagram and all that um all direct messaging yeah so and email address is is two finger media at gmail 
www.ghostbusinessclub.com, which people can also go direct as well if they want to. Nice. I am. Um, there will be links to all those and sundry in the show notes, so you can go down there and get direct access to all all of the above. Basically, I don't buy and I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> although, although some people might um, disagree, obviously, like we talked about at the start. First question. <laughs> well, there we are. Anyway, Will, it's been really great to talk with you. Yeah, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, thanks for inviting me on because it's uh, it's nice to be able to sort of almost get out there how I'm feeling because we don't get to talk about it too much to people. So, no, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, yeah, you know, look forward to hearing it when it goes out. And anybody wants any information, feel free to contact me. Like Phil said, it'll be in the links below. Um, yeah, great stuff. Thank you, sir. So that is it for another episode of the Music Survival Guide. If you enjoyed it, then please leave me a review wherever you listen to this podcast. I happen to know because I see the stats. There are a lot of new people who are checking out the podcast. If you really like what you're hearing, please give me a review. It's really helpful. Helps more people discover what's going on here. Please also share it with any friends and bandmates if you thought it was useful. If you have discussions about gig photography, this would be a great thing to start with. I really appreciate all of you. So if you're interested, I have a community on Facebook called the Music Survival Guide Community. There's chats about music and band life there with other musicians and industry people. And I will see you next time. Music